You must be remarkable. You must be a purple cow. This is Purple Cow by Seth Godin, and I'll be going over kind of the first section of this book. And this really dives into basically how to transform your business to stand out from the crowd by being remarkable. And basically, if you get confused by the Purple Cow concept, it's essentially just being remarkable. That's what you can correlate being a purple cow with. And what's interesting is he talks about some of the main things in marketing. And so to kind of start out, he talks about some of the old methodologies. And he says, you know, there's this book that talks about a simple truth that it's cheaper to keep an old customer than to get a new one. And articulated that the entire field of customer relationship management, they showed that there are only four kinds of people prospects, customers, loyal customers, and formal customers. And that loyal customers are often happy to spend money with you. And that's so vital to know when, um, you know, just like in the marketing space, there's, there's some really good books that are similar with Tipping Point, Malcolm Gladwell, Unleashing the Idea of Irish, and per- Permission Marketing, all great books. But really focusing down on what being a purple cow means he talks about kind of there was this trip where this is just a little anecdote about the purple cow. There was like a, I think they were in the Netherlands, and there was a field with a bunch of uh, brown cows. And his daughter looks out and she, she's like, Daddy, I'm bored. And he's thinking to himself, um, the author of this book, Seth Godin, he says, you know, what if there was a purple cow out there? That would be remarkable. That would stand out from the crowd. That would break the news. And I, I want to share with you a little little story he, he provides. So in 1962, a smart ad agency hired Jay Ward, creator of Bullwinkle, and asked him to make commercial. He, invite, he invented Captain Crunch and came back with an animated commercial. Then and only then, then and only after that was done. Did the cereal company go about actually making cereal? So that's the concept of pre-selling. It's a really great concept, especially with the internet. You can do this even better. So Quaker knew that if they had the commercial, they could run enough ads and imprint Cap'n into every, just about every kid in America. The cereal was secondary. So that's so interesting. You know, ingraining that ideas in kind of... I think I'll record another podcast later on about kind of pre-programming things that uh, societies happen, especially kind of in modern society. Like TV programming, literally programming is supposed to be programming our minds. And that that's a great example of it. You know, these kind of this old where TV ads were the most popping. Now it's gone digital, I think, by far is the most effective and, you know, this like as seen on TV thing. And this is kind of this cycle that um, that kind of was a traditional ideology. So basically it would be buy ads, get more distribution, sell more products, then make a profit. From that profit, you buy ads, get more distribution, sell more products. So you basically like that's pre-selling and it's still kind of, you know, works the same in the, and he's talking about the TV industrial age and the post TV age, the age that we're in now, the TV industrial age had average products advertise, was able to advertise to anyone. They kind of pushed on the fear of failure. They had more longer cycles and then smaller changes, but the post TV age, we're going for remarkable products, purple cow products. 
basically understanding to advertise the early adopters. So hitting the person that will spread the message, the early adopters. And it's interesting because he has this curve. So it's basically just a, uh, it's just like a normal, I think it's called a bell curve where it's just one hump basically. So it starts small, goes up, reaches a point and then goes down. In the beginning section, there's basically four sections. So the very beginning section as it starts to increase. So kind of starts to ramp up is the innovators and then it goes to the early adopters and then kind of as it's reaching its peak you have the early and late majority and then as it's descending you have the laggards so making sure you're advertising to those early adopters is so important and kind of segmenting that group out when you're doing advertising is really important seeing the audience then segmenting those that are you know the innovators and the early adopters and then the instead of fear of failure from the TV industrial age, this age that we're in now is the fear of fear. It's interesting. And then shorter cycles, big changes instead of small changes. So kind of new innovative ideas. And I think it's all it's for the best, honestly. So if you think you know, here's another example. So purple cow products in our age, Starbucks, Magic Cards, Dr. Bronner's, Lynx, JetBlue, Outback Steakhouse, Motel 6, MP3, Dr. Book, Prozac, and the New Beetle. These, this book obviously wasn't written in 2020. It was written a while ago, but you can probably think of a few now. I mean, just to spitball, you have Amazon, Apple, like all these companies really stood out because of their niche. Even like companies like Planet Fitness and Anytime Fitness, the thing is, is they're pushing kind of like, the in a way, the fast food version of fitness. And that is their purple cow. You could also see, you know, in that space, like let's say you live in a city where there's a ton of Planet Fitness and, and Anytime Fitnesses that are just kind of like a gym in a box, you know, just franchisable, pop them out. If, if there was a gym that had like a $200 a month premium everything, sauna, spa, massage, all that, that would be Purple Cow because it's pushing luxury. And then the TV industrial complex products would be Barbie, Perel, Honeywell, United Airlines, McDonald's, Marlboro, Captain Crunch, Battling Tops, Exergen, and the original Beetle. So the new Beetle is kind of what he said is in this, uh, this era. So he says, what are all these companies have in common? is that they have nothing in common. They are outliers. Another great book by Malcolm Gladwell. He was also the author of Tipping Point we talked about earlier. Outliers, such an amazing book. It's basically like the formula of what makes people stand out. So it it ties in with this book really well. I, I really enjoyed that book. And basically, these companies are on the fringes. They're either super fast or super slow. Very exclusive or very cheap. Very big or very small. The reason it's so hard to follow the leader in this is that the leader is the leader because he did something remarkable. And that remarkable thing is now taken. It's no longer remarkable when you do it. And you have to remember that. You can't just... I think the second mover advantage is kind of an ideology that's interesting because you don't necessarily want to be the first person. Again, it's all risk management and risk reward. But in business, it's important to take a step. That's kind of what this book is talking about. So... You want to be the first mover if you have an idea. If you examine the marketplace, kind of study the demand of how many people are buying the products, what's selling, what's not selling, what's kind of new trends, then take a leap, 
that's being remarkable. That's kind of standing out and not doing what other people have done. But you have to do your proper due diligence and research prior. And this is something that I think traveling, now we can do this a lot easier with you know mass media. But I think traveling has a huge impact on this. You know, seeing what trends are. That's how Nike came about. You know, he traveled, I think it was in Japan, saw this idea for a new, like, athletic sneaker and brought it to America. So that's, you know, kind of edge effect of ideas, bringing multiple ideas together to create something remarkable, a purple cap. And it's, you know, he says, uh, I don't think there's a shortage of remarkable ideas. I think your business has plenty of great opportunities to do great things. Nope. What's missing isn't the ideas. It's the will to execute them. That's powerful. I really liked that. And, you know, in this, if you, if you have the soft cover version of this book, which I do, he has uh, like these little bullet points to take away. And um, what's interesting is he kind of talks about this idea of hitting people that are quote unquote sneezers. So he calls this, I think, the idea virus. So it's basically, you know, like if some, if one person's sick, if it's like patient zero and then they get a ton of other people sick, that's spreading. So that person was in their own way, a purple cow. They were remarkable. And then all these other people got what they got. And you can do this with products. You know, he says, the only chance you have to sell to the people who like change, who like new stuff, who are actively looking for what you sell. And this is why, you know, a brand or a new product offering is nothing more than an idea. Ideas that spread are more likely to succeed than those that don't. I call the, the ideas that spread idea viruses. I really like that. And then kind of wrapping this section up, he says it's not an accident that some products catch on and some don't. When an idea virus occurs, it's often because all the viral pieces work together. How smooth and easy is it to spread your own idea? How often will people sneeze into their friends? How tightly knit in the group you're targeting? Do they talk much? Do they believe each other? How, how reputable are the people most likely to promote your idea? It's interesting. Thinking, really segmenting your audience. Like, for example, if you're running Facebook ads, Instagram ads, basically digital ads, you can go in-depth on audience preferences and see the demographics and then test giving them different ad sets and kind of test who's an early adopter and then double down on what's working. Listen to an interesting interview with Jeff Bezos. He's been doing a lot of work in, uh, in India, and he talked about, you know, doubling down on what's working is the most important thing. And, you know, he said one of the biggest things in the 21st century will be India. India and the partnership with the United States, which is really interesting. So it was an interesting interview. I'd recommend you go watch that. It was actually on his uh, Twitter. So, so you need to think, how persistent is it? Is it a fad that has spread fast before it dies? Or will the idea have legs? And thus, you can invest in spreading it over time. Put all your new product development through this analysis, and you'll discover which ones are most likely to catch on. Those are the products and ideas worth launching. Really interesting. And, you know, from here, he kind of goes more in depth on some interesting things, you know, like Google ads. And he says, it's useless to advertise to anyone except interested sneezers with influence. And that's the sneezers who kind of get this idea virus and start the snowball effect. And you need to do this advertising when these customers are actually looking for help and in a place where they'll find you. Of course, advertising to one interested person is a good idea, 
But the real win occurs when the person who's listening is a sneezer likely to tell her friends and her colleagues. That's what's really good. Yeah, if you, that's kind of the idea of influencer marketing where they become the sneezers. So people follow them. People kind of look up to them. They're an authority figure. And, you know, that's kind of where the influencer marketing came from. It's kind of that idea virus sneezing. Somebody's putting something on their Instagram or their social media and they have a bunch of followers and they get on average, you know, 100,000 likes on their posts and let's say less than 1% actually buys, that's a pretty big deal. And it, it, that's only getting bigger. And I think this, these concepts, these frameworks are pretty timeless. I mean, it's how the human brain works. It's how we're wired, especially when you're selling to the masses. So differentiate your customers. Find the group that is most profitable. Find the group that's most likely to sneeze. Figure out how to develop and advertise either group. Ignore the rest. Your ads and your products shouldn't cater to the masses. Your ads should cater to the customers you'd choose if you could choose your customers. And that's really interesting, you know, picking your niche, not, not appealing to the masses. You want to you find people. There's an interesting thing most companies have if you read kind of leadership books or even in outliers is kind of how I think of it is a CCC. So it's a cult-like core competency. So basically what this means is in your company, it should be polarizing. So there's an interesting concept. I think I learned this from Mr. Lopez that basically there's something called an intern test. So if you had someone come in and work for you being a secretary as an intern and you, they worked a full day, went home and their significant other or friend asked them how the day was at work and they just say, good, you failed. That's failing. They need to be like either, wow, that was absolutely amazing. I have never worked at a place like this before or absolutely hate it because they're opposite of what you're cult-like core competency is. And you need to have a positive one. And that's the main thing. And don't get turned off by that word cult-like because it's, it's just the idea of that. I like to study anything that's had influence. And it's interesting that cult leaders have been able to influence people. So like Abraham Lincoln said, learn from everyone, even if it's what not to do. So take the best, leave the rest. There's some things that you can learn from terrible things in history. So Some folks would like you to believe that there are too few ideas or that their product or their industry or company can't support a great idea. This, of course, is nonsense. The cow is so rare because people are afraid. In this next section, I'm really passionate about because I'm really passionate about, you know, the education system, how our brains are wired. And this is really powerful. So. We run schools like factories. We line kids up in straight rows, put them in batches called grades, and work very hard to make sure that there are no defective parts. Nobody standing out, falling behind, running ahead, or making a ruckus. That's just disgusting. It, it makes sense that the reason we had schools is to create some structure, but in the, like we're in 2020 now. It should be more individualized, it should be more tailored, and it's insane that, you know, kids with incredibly creative minds are being taught the exact same thing that, you know, kids that will become an accountant. It's so archaic. And with technology, we have the power to change that. And that's really, that's really my mission. I, that's what the modern Academy is really all about is helping in that process, creating more awareness to it 
And, you know, there's a lot of people that I follow that are passionate about this. For example, um, Spencer Taylor on the Impulsive podcast, he's really big into this. He did a tour. It's, I think it was called like the Debt Destroyer Tour, the college student debt. But the thing about that that I found interesting is he's not providing a solution. He's just pointing out a problem. So I don't see a ton of people providing, like there, there obviously is different ways of educating people, but in very niche ways is what I'm focused on. So, you know, this is kind of where we learn to fail. This is where, you know, this is where we understand and kind of it's pounded into our minds that standing out, being remarkable is looked down upon. You know, you're, you'll go to the principal's office if you act out in class. And I, I definitely do this. I'm an introvert. I don't act out a bunch. There's a lot of people that do. And then they're kind of reprimanded for this. And then I think later in life, their brain is rewired around this where they're kind of trained to be to fit in line and not to stand out, not to be a purple cow. You know, playing it safe, following the rules, those seem like the best way to avoid failure. Failure, And in school, they may very well be. Alas, these rules set a pattern for most people like your boss. And that pattern is awfully dangerous. These are the rules that ultimately lead to failure. Really, really powerful. So, it seems that we face two choices. Either to be invisible, like they said in that school teaching, or... To be remarkable, to take a chance and actually be, you know, be a purple cow, not be a brown cow, be a purple cow, stand out. And you don't have to take this to the extreme in your personal life. Like you don't have to dye your hair purple or whatever, (laughs) just to become, that's not becoming a purple cow because what's, what are you gaining from that? You know what I mean? That's just attention. That's kind of, you need to let go of your ego. That's a whole nother topic. But in business, those are the two choices we face. Being anonymous, uncriticized, and safe, or taking a chance, uniqueness, and being the purple cow, being remarkable. So interesting, so interesting, and really think about that. Like, how are some ways that you can kind of move towards this and ratchet up? It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen even in a month. But make a long-term plan. Make an 18-month plan to start out to actually move forward in this purple cow mentality and become remarkable. Remember, we've been raised with a false belief. We mistakenly believe that criticism leads to failure. From the time we get to school, we're taught that being noticed is almost always bad. It gets us sent to the principal's office, not to Harvard. Nobody says, yeah, I'd like to set myself up for some serious criticism. And yet, the only way to be remarkable is to just do that. Because the interesting thing about being remarkable is you get feedback analysis. You get something that you step out of your comfort zone and you learn. That's learning as quickly as possible is one of the most important skills, I think, in 2020. And especially with all the things online, everything at our fingertips, we have the ability to learn faster than anyone in human history with technology and the, the rate of learning and kind of new innovations, things are changing every day. And remember, the lesson is simple. Boring always leads to failure. Boring is always the most risky strategy. Smart business people realize this. They work to minimize, but not eliminate, the risks from the process. They know that sometimes it's not going to work, but they accept the fact that it's okay. Be remarkable. Be a Purple Cow. It's by Seth Godin. Such a great book. I'll record more on this. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review and subscribe to the Modern Academy. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your time. This was around a 20-minute podcast, and I'll leave you with that. Thanks again.